2: is an outrage broadcasting outrage. live outrage.
0: from the kvec studios in san luis obispo what
2: economy are you talking about it's time for mortgage matters
3: good morning everybody thanks so much for being here got a special day planned for you today um first of all we have mike points in the that's studio. right good morning everyone happy memorial day weekend we let yeah, it is Memorial Day weekend.
4: Good call. You probably have a bunch of music already lined up. I and actually do you? for Memorial Day. Yes. Buckle up. We're going to do the buckle up song. Yeah, we're going to do that one. <laughs> buckle up for safety. You is that a that? Memorial Day song? Uh, we'll get to it now. Oh, okay. <laughs> you guys have
5: inside
3: jokes already. No, no I played. I classic. got here like one minute after you, and you already have inside jokes. No,
4: I, I play. I play classic commercials for you know car-related stuff for the Morning Show. Yeah, I hear that. You know, so this one was "Buckle up for safety, buckle up, always buckle up." You know, it's back in the '60s and '70s. It's nice and stuff. too. Changes unfortunately, keys. Unfortunately, Mid, there's not commercial
5: changes keys.
4: Ooh. You know, unfortunately, there's not really a whole lot of classic mortgage-related commercials. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, uh, but anyway, we'll have to give you some of those. Yeah, <laughs> go to the archives. When your rates were fifteen percent, remember that. Yeah, we could play some commercials from that era. Yeah, <laughs> right on. Well, yeah, we
3: gave uh, old Danny P has the day off. I don't know what he's doing. I think he's staying local, but uh, he's. He's doing anything but this at the moment, I think, yeah. is the idea. Um, and, uh, yeah, so then we're going to have a guest, too. Jim, Jeff Eccles is coming
4: into the show today. Wow, the world-famous Jeff Eccles. Yeah. Hmm. He's, he's
3: going
4: to be a smooth talker. Yeah. It's going to be a hot show. Yeah. I'll stick around. Does he, he still have as the, you should. <laughs> does he still have the beef jerky thing going on? Because it would be darn nice to have some beef jerky in here about 9 30 if he does. <laughs>
6: he does not
4: that i'm asking or anything you know like that. i
3: i had almost entirely forgotten about the beef jerky thing yeah. uh we'll get an update on that um when to. he comes we in i think you should uh-huh. the song should be like um remember that song oh like old song it's a reunited song it's like a male female oh, duet yeah. oh yeah and herb yeah. yeah wow peaches and
4: herb uh well i used to be a 70s disco dj check you i out. could see that yeah. i could see that i could right see that I had <laughs> leisure actually, shoot gym i would i would do a country <laughs> show walk across the show walk across the hall and do a 70s disco show not in
3: the same clothes yeah yeah uh.
4: <laughs> I think both of those things are (laughs) so chic. I think both of those things are things you should be dressed up for. That's crazy. Good times. Oh, man. So, yeah, we're going to have Jeff
3: Eccles on now. Um, Some of you guys, his name is going to sound familiar. He used to have a show, right? Remember that? I believe so, yes. Yeah. And then, um, and he did a guest spot on our show quite a bit, too. Oh, Um, yeah. And now he's he's made a transition over to. the Home Builder Association. What's it called, Mike? Okay.
5: The Home Builders Association
3: on the Central Coast. Cool.
5: That's what it's called. And he's like uh, head haunch He's the executive huh? director See? of the Home Builders Association there. Uh, he's doing a great job, too. Um, and we'll get into that. I mean, he's really, really well connected with our uh, the Capitol and uh, what we're doing not only statewide. But With nationally. the Capitol? what did you watch the Mockingjay last night?
4: <laughs> <laughs> you must have that whistle tune, Jim. Can you play that for us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was great radio there, Jason. The Rue. you incorporated sure. it right in, got it in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I have all these <laughs> clever
3: buttons in front of me.
5: <laughs> yes, yeah, the capital would be Sacramento. Okay, but yes, it would. Be, it would be. One of those... Uh, oh, not... Topic. Not, yeah, not that. Not capital. District 7.
3: Right. No, no, I think... it. Well, let's not get remember. into that. <laughs> let's, let's not do that. I really just don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just just checking real quick, not to put you on the spot or anything. Uh, are we following your notes today or mine, Mike? I think we're following your notes when Jeff's not here. Okay. I good. Mean,
5: Jeff and I are going to get into some topics. I think he he's probably going to take over... Because he's pretty good at explaining what the Home Builders Association is mm. trying to do, the vision and what his what his mission is. Good, but yes, thank you for asking.
3: Um, hey, so there was, huh? Where to start? Where to start? Have you been paying close attention to the to the Dow every day? Been, I have. Yeah, pretty wild. Every day we keep hearing these uh, the fun talk about um all-time highs huh yeah which is pretty funny because it was only um you know a month ago or so the feds really started saying that they thought that the stock market was potentially overvalued <laughs>
5: yeah yeah and, that's a big conversation
3: and then the the people that are paying close attention to that all the traders and investors are um blowing right through those red lights and continue to um, beef up the those indices. So uh, that's been kind of a funny thing watching that happen. and you know to be honest with you the the way that interest rates have kind of tagged along there, um, kind of taking it I, I want to say that we're we're doing okay, all things considered. Um, right now we're we're approaching this part in the market where it's sort of like what we had with the taper tantrum. And more of the stuff I've been reading this last couple of weeks here continues to say that um, basically, Yellen and the Feds are concerned that the market might be um, experiencing a similar kind of thing, like with the taper tantrum, and in. For those that don't remember what that that fun term refers to, when the Fed said they were going to taper their quantitative easing efforts, um, they announced that it was coming, maybe not necessarily, we wouldn't know when, but at some point it was coming. And we wouldn't really know how rapidly, but some point it was coming. Um, that was when the market just started kind of uh, freaking out a little bit. Things started, we started building in all of this fat to just make it to where, well, when it does happen, we're not going to lose any money on it, right? So mm. then when the actual tapering came in, we actually saw interest rates decrease for the almost the whole next year, which is kind of a fascinating thing. It just goes to show you that the, in that case, the bark was a little bit worse than the bite. And I really feel like that's what's happening right now too with what's going on both in the stock market as well as the bond market and, and therefore what's happening to interest rates is I, I think that um, as we sort of anxiously await when the feds are going to go ahead and start cranking up interest rates. Um, and then of course, just like the tapering, how fast are they going to do it? You know, what's the pace thereafter? I remember... Um, See, I'm not old enough to remember too many of the normal cycles, sadly. Um, I'm old enough now that I've been in the business for, um, you know, I, whatever. I'm thirty-seven. Is that right? Yeah, pretty close. I mean, ever since I got out of Cal Poly, so yeah, we're we're talking thirteen years, and um, so I've limited real firsthand accounts of like the cycle happenings Mm -hmm. but i remember before you know the the we would kind of find out on the rate sheet the next day that hey when the feds met yesterday they changed um interest rates and they moved it by a quarter percent and what that really meant for us was um and the reason it was on the rate sheets is any of the loans that were based on prime would go up by that equal amount. So it'd go up quarter percent. So, And that was typically like a home equity line of credit or something like that. That was a prime plus a margin type of loan. Uh, And it wasn't that big of a deal. We kind of found out about it the next morning. There'd be a memo that came across, make sure nobody screwed that up when you were qualifying people or locking their loans or whatever, make sure that you got the rate and terms right. Um, But today, man weeks leading up to and in this case now today months leading up to the feds announcement of interest rate changes everyone's anticipating and when they move it how much are they going to move it and then are they going to move it every meeting after they first start or will they move it once and then not tinker with it for months on end to sort of see what happens um so that being the case um we know now from the meeting minutes from this week that that's not expected to happen. Probably next month, um, man, which is right around the corner. The June meeting's coming up here quick. It's, I swear, the fa- the older I get, the faster time goes. It's no joke. It really the the months are whizzing by. Yeah, yeah. And I have a str- I have a theory now about why that is. By the way, because you have three kids, a house, and you're principal at a. Full-time mortgage company? Kind of. You do
4: radio (laughs) shows on Saturday. You have just a few things going on. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the the dance card's
3: pretty full. But, um, no, you know what I think it is? When you're a kid, and um, the first doesn't mean a lot. (laughs) Right? You kind of look forward to holidays, weekends, and summer vacation. And then when you're a grown-up, the first um, starts to mean something because of rent. Right. And then at some point, like today in life for us, the first is like, that's that day. The mortgage is due typically, you know, for me, that's when all the household bills really get dealt with. And, Mm -hmm. and the cycle of that, that first just coming around and smacking you in the face again. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it, happens so fast and I think it's partially that's why you don't want it to happen is yeah, yeah, just yeah. to have all that extra financial chore to do for that couple days right the sweet day of the month is like the 20th right everything's paid
7: You've
5: got like <laughs> you're ten, not 10 days so you're... you're
3: not out of money yet <laughs> 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 waiting for the first right right yeah that's <laughs> holiday weekend yeah it's funny <laughs> I even as the I mean I'm a, I'm a successful loan officer and we have a successful business and I still pay myself just a salary that we save off of and live Every month, you know the whole thing, and so it's still the money to the retirement, the money to the savings, the money to the house, all all the money, all the places, all the money goes. And that last week of the month, this next week, by the way, yeah, is like the one where it's like, shoot, I can't wait till I can pay myself again. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, maybe, but, but maybe
5: that never so. changes. Yeah, I mean the. Um, so, with back to what you're saying, Jay, with the with the rates and what's kind of unique about today's market, I would I just want to comment that you know we've got these brilliant people. Sure, they're government paid individuals, but the people that work for the Fed are you know PhD economists trying to do everything they can. And I think the what we need to realize as investors, consumers, just you know to boil it down, Americans, is that the market is in control of itself, and it's going to do things whether we like it or not. We can pretty much predict what it's gonna do, but there is quite a variance there, a margin of error. Well, you know, people the- are, I've, I've talked to people recently, like they saw it a week and a half ago, oof, that's it. The rates are never coming back down. And they said, let's lock our rate. And now, today, yesterday, the treasury went down to 2.1, the 10-year treasury note. Yeah, And it- that was a good day to lock.
3: What's interesting about it is, too, is that, you know, many people forget that the market almost is alive. I don't – It obviously, it's not something that we're feeding, you know. We're not giving water to or tucking in at night. But it does – because of the nature of the people that are in control of the big investments and those biggest hedge funds and like PIMCO, the the big bond investment companies, all these different – um, huge entities, and then all the strategists and financial planners. Everybody sort of all clings to this information. Of course, the biggest thing is um, if you had, you know, what what's your number? If you if you had a million dollars invested in the stock market or the bond market or spread through both, um, and you were. Really concerned about maximizing your profit, like your like your livelihood depended on it. Let, in fact, let's say the principal needs to remain untouched, mm-hmm. and you get to uh, enjoy life based on what you're able to do. What it generates. What it generates. That's that's how you're going to get to go to a theme park or have vacation or even buy groceries. Sure. uh How close are you going to watch all this stuff? Pretty close. You're going to be sitting there saying, okay, well, there's a handful of things that can affect this that really can't be anticipated acts of God, um, you know, big geopolitical pressures or strains in other countries where we may or may not have some influence. But, um, or then things here like the jobs report, these kind of things. And there's all these indicators that predict, hey, well, based on the uh, initial jobless claims for the last month, we're expecting this jobs report to do X. And then a couple of days before it comes out, you get that ADP payroll report. And so we're, you know, so the, the market, everybody's sort of like that analogy I'm giving you, like you're you so care about the yields of what happens you'd be clinging to all of that information not only that but then you start begging it right so when the feds mm. when the feds meet up they they make some statement about the meeting um and then it is a couple weeks later that the minutes are really released and when the minutes are released that's where we get sort of um a look into the backroom talk about how it is that the, the Fed participants are actually feeling about the overall state of the economy. And, and remember, these people are all from different rate regions of the nation. Um, and so they're, they're talking about what's, what's really happening. What we learned from the meeting minutes this week is that the Feds are not likely to raise the interest rate in June. And earlier in the year, it was kind of a 50-50 pick that we thought actually June might be the magic month. So, now that we're finding out that June is not the magic month, um, we're also learning that the feds have seen a mixed bag of economic data. They're um, seeing that some things are picking up and some things are not. Of course, the jobs thing um, is showing, you know, we saw the unemployment rate drop a little bit. That's looking good. Mm -hmm. Housing is still kind of doing its thing. Um, We... You know, there's there's these other metrics that aren't measuring very well, like consumer spending and confidence and inflation. Um, and so they're they're really just waiting. And we you know, one of the glimpses we found now is that the Fed sort of in almost want us to think that now maybe 2016 is when this stuff is more likely to happen. So, again, going back to that analogy you about go. you hanging on what what little insight can you give me so that i can anticipate what you're going to do so that i surely don't lose my principal, but also that i position myself for the best possible outcome i need to make some money here yep um sort of calm you down a little bit and know hey you got some more time and generally speaking that is going to um you know in this case with the stock market what the big companies and, you know, investors, everyone's worried about is when the feds do crank up interest rates, what happens? It's more expensive for everybody to borrow. And so in that transition period, the businesses can't even borrow as much, mm-hmm. which means they're not going to be able to produce as cheaply. Mm-hmm. Uh, we learned from the credit freeze. I looked over at Jim. He probably remembers years ago we used to talk about this. There was a big thing when TARP was going on um, where gmac who's had their hand in about everything was um these huge lines of credit we learned that so many of the nation's largest companies are making payroll on lines of credit is that a trip would you think that's true a company you know like gm for example Mm. that they would make payroll on a line of credit that's pretty bad it's it's pretty wild but yeah. what we learned through all this or at least not maybe not learned but was brought to the forefront again is that many of these companies do this they keep mm. the um you know the accounts receivable and and payable money separate than the payroll money and they use these lines yeah. of credit to smooth out those cash flow changes mm-hmm. and so When the credit market froze, those big companies found themselves in a bad spot, right? Mm -hmm. The rates, they either couldn't borrow what they needed to or the rates were too high. This was part of why the Fed intervened there. So even those big companies now, if rates go up, it will change the, the cost of those credit facilities and then therefore cut into their profitability a little bit, thereby potentially um, hurting their stock value a little bit, right? They, mm, Cause they right. can't, they're not going to be as profitable. They're not worth as much money. So every month that we learn that the feds are going to leave these rates where they are for another couple months, the stock market kind of takes a little, a little breather like, okay, it, it's still good to, to be valued and be seen as valuable. We have no immediate imminent threat. Um, So that's partially why the stock market's going up, but then we found the Fed said it was overrated. I read an article to just, just to agree with what you're saying that, well,
5: just to agree with the fact that it could be overrated is, hedge fund managers typically do just that hedge against the market, you know? Sure. And they're actually positioning a significant portion of their assets into the market now, showing some greed, like, I can't miss out on this, Instead of hedging, I think we should go with the market. And what what I when I read that as an investor, I hear I see oof, we're getting close to the cliff. Like everyone's just jumping in now. Get 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 in. Get what you can. Get your percentage. When you're when you're investing ten million bucks, you know one point five percent is not bad. Sure. Over the course of a month.
4: I don't see how you can make payroll on credit. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean. Isn't that really? I mean, that seemed really bad to me. Well, it's a no, strategy move. It, I mean, to give you
3: an idea, you know, give you an idea. Um, let's say we have a company where payroll is 100 grand a month. Okay. Yeah. And that's, that's based on, no matter what your business is, it's based on some kind yeah. of earning. Either we're yeah. selling widgets or we're, like in our case, we're selling Service. financial services. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a payroll number that comes in and that, That incoming money, you know, like, heck, let me use my business as an example. Um, If I had my capital tied up in some way where Mike closes a loan and he's owed a commission of 2000 bucks and I may not, I may not have that 2000 bucks if it's allocated elsewhere i mean this
5: transaction may not have come to you in the appropriate amount of time yeah
3: or i haven't sold the loan yet the loan needs to be aggregated into a pool of loans where that then gets out and cleared but but jim here's a here's an interesting thing um i started to get involved in the car business a few years ago um In fact, it was right about the time that Dan and I were starting Central Coast Lending. We had some friends that were uh, one that runs an auto auction down in Los Angeles and another friend Mm. that we knew through IndyMac Bank that um, bought big pools of mortgages from us um, who worked in the line of credit for the car dealers. So the idea is the if we wanted to, we could be paired up with this auto auction and get a credit facility from this other agency where we would then be able to buy cars on credit and sell them. Sure. And um, I guess it makes sense to me now that it was revealed a little bit, but I never totally understood how it worked. Um, but most of the time, these auto lots that are around town have um, those cars are not owned by them. Those cars are typically on credit. And even if you're consignment, working... Consignment,
5: also consignment.
3: Yeah, and...
5: More so, they've got a 30-day net payable. Sure, and, and, that, sell it
3: and that's probably the the bigger thing here is that the company may build the cars on credit, right, at the factory. And so it's on a credit invoice. And then they go ahead and send it to the dealer, who's got an agreement with the manufacturer, so say you're Toyota, and now you put it on your lot, sure. um, it then goes on your credit facility. And at the end of the month, you're expected to make some payment. So ideally, you're going to sell the car, and the car then is going to pay off what's owed on the credit facility, and then the difference is your profit.
5: Sure,
3: um, minus variable cost. Yeah, and so going through there, you see how companies like that are using credit just for – the the full function including um their labor costs because you know they they might have to be paying the guy to wash the cars right and and um put the plates on it and the balloons on the antenna and all the thing that it takes to get it there but they're not going to have that revenue until it's sold and in mm-hmm. fact once it sells they're this guy's going to get a loan that's going to go to pay the dealer who's going to go to pay the manufacturer and then they're going to get some money back at some point so a lot of this stuff kind of is on 30-day terms and um and that's why it would be on credit so it's not that they're necessarily um debt financing payroll mm-hmm. it's not an ongoing expense ideally i mean you some mm-hmm. businesses are that way, and that's why they tank. Mm-hmm. Um, but I- right. using those big credit facilities to go that way, um, so c- it's it's actually it seems kind of scary to me. <laughs> but, you well, it's know, just a way man. to
5: push out costs. Mm-hmm. It's a way yeah. to push out actual costs with actual dollars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, but you have a cost associated with it. That's the bummer. Yeah. You know, on top of your already existing labor costs, workers comp, payroll you taxes, you're paying, paying interest. interest. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a smart move. But how does that get back to mortgages?
3: Well, because when when we talk about the Fed rate, we gotta have we gotta have a discussion about how the Fed rate's gonna affect the bond market. Mm-hmm. And um, in 2013, when the Fed started talking about winding down the bond purchase program, the yields rose pretty sharply. I mean, that was that we saw interest rates go from most people were getting about a. Th- I mean, most commonly, I'd say in that era, 2012 to the first half of 2013, people were getting a three and a quarter 30-year fix, maybe three and a half, um, but somewhere in that little tight range. When in May, when we found out that they were going to wind out of this, it affected the bond market so much that interest rates went to four and a half percent almost overnight. Um, I... I had never seen anything like this before, but we had loans. Mike, you're already getting a pretty good taste of what it's like to meet with a client, um, give them some pricing and terms, and then have them go home and sleep on it and process it and think about whether or not they want to pull the trigger. And then they call back the next day. Some cases the next day, mortgage rates have changed a little bit. And you... Really have to have another discussion about, hey, guys, since you... Um, and it can happen the same day it happens the next day when these people disappear for a week or two and then they come back going, okay, I'm ready for that 3.75. And you're like, man, that was no points two weeks ago today. It costs you a point and that's Mm -hmm. four grand. Mm -hmm. Um, we had some loans active in the pipeline in that, that may to June era of 2013, where it went from no points one day. To within the month, costing seven points to keep the same rate—that's ludicrous. But it happens. I mean, it just crazy. It's crazy because it's tough to manage. Yeah, and this is and the Feds knew that. And and by the way, it it almost threw the screeching halt breaks on the real estate market. Um, That was Bernanke. Yeah,
5: I think Yellen is. I mean, Yellen and the Feds are wise enough to see the aftermath of that.
3: Well, the reality of it is is that there it was something that needed to happen. The feds didn't just want it to happen. They needed it to happen for a variety of reasons. And one of them was that the housing market was overheated. We had too many people that were racing out to buy and overbidding. And you could see this um, getting white hot. And so they knew that they needed to stop it. The problem is trying to anticipate how would – the market respond what would what would actually happen with the investors and and how would it change have a big enough shift that it would change people's idea or feeling about real estate and um i mean at the time i was i was pretty shocked how could they be so stupid how could they not know this would happen how could they at this point in the recovery, because think about this now, its we're halfway, nearly halfway through 2015. So halfway through 2013 was when this was starting. We've just said, man, housing is the only thing right now that, the, that any of this has fixed. We're like $20 trillion in the hole. The Fed's been getting crazy with low interest rates for a long time, buying $80 billion a month worth of mortgage-backed securities and bonds and just accumulating what is now like a four and a half trillion dollar balance sheet of bonds and mortgage-backed securities and it was a trip they see our our country go through such extreme measures and then overnight they said hey we're gonna stop this and we're not necessarily telling you when but it's coming they said that in may and rates shot up by a percent Mm -hmm. um and they kept saying, hey, when it comes, it's going to be gradual, and it's going to take a long time, and it's going to be tied to unemployment rate, and it's going to be tied to inflation, and don't worry about it. And we worried about it all the same. And it wasn't until they actually came out and tapered the first month that everything chilled out, and we saw those rates start to come back down again. Uh, we realized that, hey, you know, the sky's not falling. There's actually room for the feds to pull out $5, 10000000000 a month of that eighty on some course and and things are going to be okay mm-hmm. so like i said i suspect this will happen in the interest rate market as well when the feds do push up the first quarter um percent or maybe heck maybe even they'll do eighth percent this time just trying to go super slow um, and then maybe the next month not do anything and see how that one see how that first one wears you know um but yeah anyways it, it's kind of an interesting time all in, you know, we'll get off this interest rate talk. So I know it's not interesting to everybody. Uh but interest rates this week are basically where they were last week with little change, if anything slight improvement. And like you said a minute ago, Mike, it depends on the day. Yesterday was a the best day all week to lock. Who knows what um what Tuesday brings. These short weeks are um sometimes can be kind of volatile, right? With the markets closed on Monday for the holiday, yeah. you'll either have companies um, coming out with some discounts to try to make up five days worth of business in a four-day week, or you'll have some companies saying, I don't really want to play and get burned in this short week. I'll wait for the next whole week. So you never really know how that's going to go down, but um, we'll keep an eye on it all together. You know, interest rates are... About where they were last week and still in a great range. Um, we need to take some time here to do the first commercial break. Mike talked all the way through that spot sixteen minutes ago that was supposed to happen. Um it's okay. There's he's no never Jason's new. fault. No, he's I've, new I've we're said gonna like ten words. <laughs> he's new we're gonna whip him into shape so that he's he knows when the breaks happen. But Stick around after this short break for more mortgage matters.
0: Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk nine twenty to ask a question call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832 we'll be back in just a few minutes hi this is jason grody at central coast lending host of mortgage matters on kvec
3: we recently made the jump to direct lender that's right now we can do your loan in-house but we still broker too we choose based on getting the best loan terms for you we don't know what to call it yet but you'll call it amazing buy or
4: refinance a home just call
7: Coast Central Coast Lending
8: and the advice you trust member finra nsipc
7: what a state of generosity look what my agent got for me just by switching to state farm a few hundred unexpected
6: bucks i couldn't ask for more but now i've got to figure out what i should use it
7: for a new bike would be radical but maybe something practical like a pet baboon with one robotic arm get to a better state state farm
0: Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan
2: Rodriguez. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people. Agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544 or online at pattersonrealty.com.
3: All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back. It's 940 We just found uh, Jeff Eccles was out front this whole time with the door locked. So, uh,
4: boy, are we glad you're here.
3: Welcome to the show. (laughs)
5: Yeah.
4: Well, we try not to let weird people in here on the weekends when we're on the air.
3: Well, you know what it was, is he has those um, glasses on that turn into sunglasses, and so I just, I thought it was just somebody in disguise, and then once he came inside, now they're clear, <laughs> and oh, that
6: is Jeff. Uh, it's it's, Jeff. It's just like magic, these right? things.
3: <laughs> fun. Um, hey, well, welcome, Jeff. Thanks for coming in today. It's a
6: pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. It's yeah. been a while since I've seen you, long and time uh, no a long see. time since I've been in here with you, and I've... I've uh, been fortunate to meet Michael over the ne- over the last couple of months, and it's good to see Jim again. So this is kind of like coming home. So thank you.
3: And uh, mm-hmm. I, there are people, thanks to Jim's comment, that are frantically searching for the uh,
6: beef jerky place in Morro Bay now. <laughs> yeah. It exactly. is still there. See, there it is. <laughs> oh yeah, we are in our fifth year out there. The Morro Bay House of Jerky. I'll put in a free plug since you bring it up. Yeah, I'm I'm a serial entrepreneur, so it's just in my blood. You guys know economics, finance. I've, I've was in the investment management business for 25 years before taking on the homebuilders gig. And about five years ago, after the recession, I started the Morro Bay House of Jerky, primarily because I saw empty leases, empty, right. empty commercial I remember spaces. that. You said, let's just, let's fill this up, do our part to fill
3: a
2: That's vacant right. building.
6: So, you know, I've created three jobs and I've sold, gosh, by this point... Um, well, I shouldn't...
3: At least I'll, 20 I'll, bucks worth of beef yeah, jerky. Yeah, I'll
6: get, I'll get more competition if I say the numbers, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Hundreds of thousands of dollars of uh, of beef jerky out there. And actually, we've had a couple of competitors come in, too, which was interesting. No way. Sure. It's been an interesting... To my fellow Moro Bayans, especially my buds out there on the Embarcadero, it has been an interesting five years. Wow. And I say that with a little uh, sparkle in my eye. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but business is great. It's Moro Bay House of Jerky, so if you're out there on the beach, go see us. We're next to... Uh, 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 Farmers' kites on the Embarcadero, out toward the smokestacks. And if you want to go online, you can go to Morro Jerky dot com. Yeah, I just googled Morro Bay
4: House of Jerky, and there
6: it was. Yeah, we've got great uh, ratings on Yelp, almost almost five stars. It looks mighty fine. Yeah, it's good real stuff. good stuff. There's, so, well, thank you. Well, there's my free jerky plug. Yeah,
5: <laughs> yeah,
3: awesome.
6: Well, Jeff is.
3: The. Yeah, wait! Don't ruin it yet, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Okay, yeah, what's I'm that, what's sorry.
6: that drool in the corner of Jason's mouth? No, you know, I I
3: always so much enjoyed talking to you for a variety of
6: reasons. I mean, you're one of the smartest dudes I know. Wow, thanks. Aren't you? Uh, you know, I'm a, state, yes. I'm a state college kid and I just, uh, I break everything. My I technique is I have to break everything down to its simplest part. People yeah. have called me smart before. I don't really think I'm that smart. I guess I do my homework. Maybe that's, maybe that's, if when, that's being smart, then I'll call myself when smart. When you
3: were doing all of the um, wealth management stuff, mm-hmm. I, I always so much enjoyed our conversations. You're... Um, outlook on things in the market and the bond market and the way that the stock and bond market's related. I just always love that. Yeah. And you hit it on the head, the, the simplest terms. Um, and so, but you're not doing that anymore. No. Drive this, the beef jerky business afforded you the opportunity to <laughs> to, to change what you do with, the, with your uh,
6: waking hours. Well, I don't know about that. That's, no. that's not quite exactly accurate. What is accurate, though, is that after doing what I did for 25 years, it was, it was time to move on. So I was an investment manager for 25 years. I started off with Merrill Lynch way back when and then was a vice president for Smith Barney for eight years and then on my own for 10 years. And so I left that industry after 25 years of doing it. Frankly, you know, and I'll be honest, I was getting a little burned out, and when you're dealing with people's money, you need to give them 110%, as you guys know. There's no, yeah. room, there's no room for slack in when you're in the financial services sure. industry. And my heart, uh, the last couple of years, was starting to not be in it the way it was, the first 23. <laughs> yeah. so, so I just decided I had a couple of... Come to Jeff Talks and just decided that, you Come know what, Jeff. It's, time to, it's time to move on. So uh, I, I sold off part of the business and I was going to take more time off. So I was able to take some time off last year. But this is when, this is how I got into the Home Builders Association gig is somebody called me up and said, hey, Jeff, are you familiar with the Home Builders Association of the Central Coast? I said, well, I've, yeah, I've heard of them. I've been to one of their public officials nights and I'm familiar a little bit with what they do. Why do you ask? Well, because they are looking for a new executive director. You would be great at it. And so I, I I, didn't really think about it much the rest of the day. The The very next day, I went on the website and checked out the position. The day after that, I printed off the the requirements for the position. The day after that, I looked at it again. And after about a week, I realized that actually it it is genuinely a perfect fit for me. So I applied for the position, went through an arduous uh, process to get hired. They, they really... They've had some transition there over the last couple of years right. in terms of leadership. And they right. really wanted to put uh, the new executive director through the ringer, out the of ringer the gate. To, to make sure it was a sure. very it was a very thorough vetting process. So I went through that. And I think there were 35 people or 30 people, something like that, that uh, that that they narrowed it down to because the job market is still fairly tight. Um, and uh, I was able to make it. And it's been great. I've been it's it's already been over six months. Time flies when you're yeah. having fun. So yeah. I've been there since November of last year. Wild, yeah. So, may I, Jay?
3: I, I let, me, let me just say one <laughs> thing. I want to kick you guys off. I <laughs> want to, have something to say. <laughs> you say, me? Go I tried. Figure. Yeah. one
6: thing, just like
3: the <laughs> one only, thing. You had to say gonna, because... I want to ask you this, and then I'm going to kick back. Okay? <laughs> okay, um, so you're now with the Home Builders Association Central Coast. Um, I got to know what it does. What is that even for? What's the point of it? Um, and I want to say, because no one's even building anything around here anyway. I like the smirk already. But and here's what I was going to say, Jeff. Um, <laughs> when people come to me and say things like, well, you know, because the banks aren't lending any money. And I'm like, I'm so offended by that. It bothers me, and it's the perfect spot for me to step in and tell you about how the banks are lending money, and you just have your your perception is so skewed.
6: You have your head um, up where?
3: <laughs> so that's how I want to kick you off here. What What is the Home Builder Association? And, and here on the Central Coast, we don't even build anything anyway.
6: <laughs> so, Go. <laughs> so there's there's there are two parts to that question. The the obvious bait at the at the end there. So uh, we'll take the first part first. So again, my name is Jeff Eccles. I'm the executive director of the Home Builders Association of the Central Coast. We are a trade organization. We are a five hundred one c six not-for-profit corporation. So we're a trade association very much the same way a chamber of commerce is. As a matter of fact, a chamber of commerce is organized as a 501c6. That's how we're organized, as a corporate structure. We are an advocacy group for a specific industry, of course, the home building industry, as our name indicates. So we advocate to allow home builders to build more homes in our community there are impediments to (laughs) building homes in our community so that's why here on the central coast back in 1992 this group was formed as an advocacy group to advocate on behalf collectively of the industry now your second part saying that there's not any homes being built well i'll tell you what if you had asked me that five years ago you'd be pretty close to accurate but we have a lot of building well i don't know if a lot Relative to five years ago, sure. we have a lot of building activity going on in the Central Coast, which is... And more the, on the horizon. It, yes. And more on the yes. horizon. Which in the big picture is a good thing because we have a dire demand right now for additional housing supply in our community. So we, we need more housing stock, more housing supply in our community at all affordability levels. Recently, the big thing has been workforce housing because somebody that moves here that makes $100,000 a year with the family cannot afford a home in our community. That's a crisis because it drips down to other levels. That means that employers have difficult time attracting qualified employees here. There are really a ton of ramifications for not having the appropriate housing supply that a community demands. So, I hope that answers your question.
3: It does, and of course, it's a you know kind of just egging you on a little bit to to get you to, to make those very points. Um, it and and point well received. And the one thing about it, from my limited experience so far, is just uh, it's cool. Uh, I came to one of your guys's recent mixers, and it's just cool to see all the. All the different sectors of the home building community come together under one roof to see each other and um, see the strength in numbers. I think it's it's fun to to also be encouraged by one another's um, desires and um, strengths and abilities and motivate each other, um, working together to to pave a better way to be able to build some more things. How critical it is!
6: Honestly, I had no idea of the economic impact of the housing industry until I got into the industry. I I knew anecdotally, and I had some experience because being in the investment management business for 25 years. Well, and you've been listening to Mortgage Matters. Of course, diligently.
3: Everything in everything, I'm going to argue like everything comes back down to housing.
6: Well, and it really does. It's sort of ground zero for the economy as well as a community. It's how the village is built. Well, look at what's your three basic needs. Shelter. There food. you go. I mean beef. food first, right? So shelter, beef jerky, and uh...
3: <laughs> and a mortgage. Yes.
6: Right. <laughs> yeah. right. Right. No, so the economic impact is is of course huge. Yeah. So to give you an example, when we build just one hundred new homes in our community, it creates almost three hundred full time jobs, twenty eight million dollars in wage and business income, and then over $11 million in federal, state, and local tax revenue. That's during the construction phase. Then on an ongoing basis, about $3.1 million in local income every year, just from the ancillary services and that person being there in that house, that family, and then about three-quarters of a million dollars in taxes and other revenue for local governments and 53 jobs on an ongoing basis. So it is ground zero for the economy. That's why, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later this morning but the drought issue obviously has been front and center in the state for everybody and because we build homes and homes use water that's something that's very important to us as well as home builders and the home builders are actually part of the solution with with this drought uh, challenge so we can talk about that as well we don't want to just throw out one of the main economic drivers of our economy and really one of the foundations of our of our of our community because of the drought situation. And, and we can talk more about that. Yeah, you shared some quantitative numbers there, Jeff. If if
5: we build a hundred houses, it does, you know, X, Y, and Z for us. I also want to add the qualitative factor. You know, I have a lot of young professionals that, you know, my wife and I have over for dinner or we go out with on a Friday night, and the topic is how am I going to stay here? Like, I can't believe that I'm 33 and I'm still renting a house because I just can't find the right place. And, or I have a dinner with an HR manager that's saying, gosh, the biggest part of my, the biggest challenge for my job is not to find talent. It's to convince talent that they can move here, can have a family here, can get a house here, can have a life here. And the person across the table that they're going to offer six figures is saying, I just don't know that that can happen. You know, I'm going to stay in Berkeley and rough it out up here
6: it it genuinely is a challenge and that's why at this point we're starting to use the word crisis in terms of the sure. imbalance of supply of housing relative to the demand and even it even goes further than that Mike what what's happening is people so let's take a you know mind body just had their big exp- expansion sure I've spoken directly with the HR director over there right and just that's as one of the people just,
5: that I've had conversations with Yeah, just
6: as you so eloquently put it the HR folks are having trouble attracting employees, and one of the main reasons is because of a, a lack of affordable housing. And we have to be careful with some of these terms. We'll call it workforce housing now, because sure. in the industry, affordable housing means one specific—that's correct, one specific thing. But even beyond that, what is happening is, to a degree, there has been some sprawl. So when we get people working let's say 30 or 40 miles away and it's really evident down in Santa Barbara it's evident here as well but yeah. in Santa Barbara county is is a really good example of it a lot of a majority of their workforce now is living up in Santa Maria and having to commute right. down to Santa Barbara well think about also what that does to the to the lifestyle so mm-hmm. in order for them to afford the house they're having to make that commute that takes time away from their family mm-hmm. it takes time away from them contributing to their community mm-hmm. We all, I know, in this room have been volunteers to various efforts in the community. If I was having to spend two hours a day commuting, I wouldn't be able to do those things for my community. So there are many downstream ripple effects that are undesirable. Well, it's unnatural, right? Both culturally and on an economic basis. It's just unnatural. To to live far from where you work. Yeah, that's one way to reduce well, it. Well, the only reason that, <laughs> when you think about it, the only reason that you're doing it is because you are forced to do it because of the unaffordability. Nobody, yeah, issue. nobody's gonna. Yeah, pick you wouldn't that. want to do that, right? Yeah. So it's totally unnatural. Yeah. When I,
3: I did a year stint down in San Diego, mm-hmm. and. Um, it was in part an affordability thing, but also not knowing better. But anyways, I lived about thirty five miles north of where I worked, <laughs> which equated yeah. to a two hour commute. And I'm I'm not even exaggerating. Know, that. I if know you, that. you left the at the five nor- and the five, Dude, I know those I know those highways. Wretchedly miserable. Yep. And I had a wife and kids at home. Um, so much in retrospect. At the time, um, it was one of those things where it was just kind of like, well you know, major bed, sleep in it kind of thing. That's what I got to do. Got to go to work. Yep. Got to get my car pointed south and deal with it. Um, at the end of that year though, when I moved back here, all I could think was, man, I gave up and I, and I didn't, I didn't really totally appreciate it living here until I went and did that whole exercise, but I gave up so much of my life in that year. Um, and, and, insane amount of time and the biggest impact for me was uh, was just my family the the toll of all that time suddenly it was like a I was available to to be like a husband and dad um, you know for eight hours a week or something as opposed to the the more ideal rest of the week
6: (laughs) well and this is this is what I find fascinating about some of the um, and I'll just come out and say it some of the no growth folks or the NIMBYs that i've heard people say well you know it's time to just pull up the plank we don't we don't want any more people here i I don't know if they're fully aware of some of those those kind of implications because home ownership really is at the foundation of the american dream and it it seems very i don't know cynical or just not right that somebody that already has that (laughs) then would say well i like things just the way they are i don't want any further growth here and so we shouldn't be building anymore let's keep things the way they are well
3: here's the problem though is we know what growth looks like uh we've seen it around the nation and even around locally here um sadly when we grew and we let the kind of the strip mallization and all the crap go down through the 60s 70s 80s and 90s uh we know what that looks like and nobody wants that here so Now we have this deal where we got to sort of make the paradigm shift to help everybody realize, you know, there's actually an intelligent way to grow and you can not just force everybody out into an automobile where they have to drive past you know 15 miles a strip mall to make it to the place where they need to go or whatever the the reality of it is there's there is a better way to grow today and and but therein lies the challenge how do you convince those people that um you actually can i i hate this term i was a city and regional planning major at cal Mm. poly and smart growth was like the word every other word had smart and growth in it and it just really bugged me a lot but it's hard to have another term for it, but there is smart growth
6: and you can do it smart, right? Yeah, and particularly when you were in school, smart growth was was the big buzzword. I I use the word responsible growth. And sure. basically it's it's planned. You know, everything's planned. So we'll talk about it more yeah. after we take this break. All part. right.
3: We got a commercial break here for the top of the hour. We have Jeff with us for Oh, at least another half an hour. We might let him run over if he stays interesting. Um, (laughs) But for any of you guys that are interested, you can call in. We're going to take calls the second hour of the show here, 543-8830. I know you're dying to call in and say, how are you going to build anything with no water? Um, We'll take those phone calls too. Um, So anyway, yeah, you're going to want to give us a call, 543-8830. We'll be back after this short break with another hour of Mortgage Matters. Do stick around. Welcome back. Uh, if you're just tuning in right now, we're joined by Jeff Eccles. He's the executive director for the Home Builders Association of Central Coast. Did I get all that on right? On the Central yeah. Coast, yeah. On yeah, the Central Coast, not of. of um, yeah. Of. Does it matter? Of. of. Yeah.
5: Okay. I think they on both those.
3: What Um <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty excited that you're here today. I love talking about most anything related to housing, and of course, housing relates to housing pretty well, so <laughs> you're a, you don't pretty say. much an ideal candidate for us today. <laughs> um, you know, Jeff, I, I know I've shared this with you before, but I grew up um, son of a contractor. My dad's a general. Uh, he's been a builder my whole life. He's a builder today. And, in fact, he's probably working today, one of the hardest, dudes, hardest working dudes I know. Um, and I saw firsthand what uh, impacts housing has on the economy. Um, my dad also talked me into being a Republican because um, policy in terms of um, the diff- – for no other reason than um, when there was a little bit of Republican influence, pops had more work. And when he had more work, um, we got more steak dinners. And then when policy was such that he was not working very much, um, it was no good around the house. Right. And uh, because of that, you know, you know, you kind of like you're – then that's your sphere, right? My dad's buddies were like the, the roofers and the plumbers and the electricians. And so those dudes were the guys that we – we played with and hung out with, and they were all um, involved in the trades too. So then it kind of seemed that from my view looking out, when construction was going good, life was pretty good. And when construction was not going well, uh, life was pretty crappy for not just us, but everybody we knew. Um, and so uh, I've I've talked about that since day one on this show, how absolutely critical it is that um, – if, if you ever want this economy to do good again, you got to get the housing thing up and running and keep it in good shape. Um, make sure that it's, uh, being cared for like the, the living breathing being it is. And, um, so I, I, I can't help but think, um, we're nearing being healed, um, in the economy and, 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 to me it still does, it hinges right there on construction. Um, Last week we found out um, about April housing starts and building permit numbers. Um, This is pretty cool, this was a good read. April um, actually gives a little bit of hope here again. Um, We saw the first time starts reached 1.135 million starts since November of 07. This is a 20% increase over the month before. Um, And I, I carved out the notes a little bit here. Typically, when you see housing starts or building permit numbers have a real good month, it's because somebody broke ground on some bajillion unit condos or apartments or something like this. Um, There was a 16% increase in single family housing starts this month, which actually shows that this is actually building housing stock for the good old fashioned homeowner type of folk um, uh, run around here. So it it was really actually encouraging. It, It shows us that there's Hopefully with these starts and then also permits that we are looking forward to actually breaking ground and putting in a little bit more housing. And I'm going to just flip on that and say, must be anywhere but here. Um, We can't be building anything
6: with no water, can we? So we we can actually. Oh, yes. Okay. maybe we
5: should say we should.
6: So
3: it, well, you have to, right? <laughs> I mean, isn't that actually where the rubber meets the road? You have, you can't, you can't just stop building homes. Um, you're going to have to figure out how to build them a little bit more efficient.
6: Well, actually, let, let's What's let's that? take let's take water-free homes. Let's take. Do it, they have that yet? Let's take it to the extreme. Let's okay. let's say that you do want to stop building homes. Let's say that as a policy, you brought up policy decisions. As a policy, we just decide that it's unwise to build any more homes because homes consume water and uh, and and, yeah. and we have a drought and it's wouldn't be sustainable so we haven't done a single thing in making that decision to change the drought equation we're not conserving anymore and we're not supplying anymore so th- First off, just think about that. If we if we put a moratorium on building in the entire state, it would not change a thing. We still have the same water equation. Now, take it further. Are people going to stop having babies? Are people going they to stop... They will if they're
3: really dehydrated.
6: Are, are people going to stop coming to the state of California? Are people going to stop looking at the Central Coast as one of the most beautiful places in the world to live and raise their family. No, human beings are still gonna be human beings and that culture is still going to evolve that way. So what we would see would actually be higher densities Mm. in existing structures. Now Mm. here's the big problem with that. Let's take locally, for instance, when you look at San Luis Obispo, let's take the city, you know that many of those structures were built during the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. We have a very old supply of housing stock here. That be, just because they're older communities, Morro Bay, lots of older homes that were built in the fifties. Well, what's wrong with old homes, though? Most of the old homes are like a thousand square foot, three bed, one bath. Well, but that's the thing; they are highly inefficient in terms of water use. So, a home that's built today uses approximately fifty percent less water than a home that was built in nineteen eighty. So, the the housing industry is actually very conservation oriented we're we're a leader in terms of industries of conservation particularly with water and electricity as well but with with our resources uh-huh. because the homes are built so much more efficiently today than they used to be and we are held to and we helped pass some of these standards cal green standards that are the highest standards in the nation so we, we so have the most every, efficient homes here in, for every one in home you just bulldoze off you could build
3: in um, two and have a a net zero gain of water a new, a consumption. Neutral, approximately, yeah, yeah. So there's the answer. We need to elect some officials today that will run through the county here and pick out houses that need to be uh, bulldozed off.
6: Well, I know I know some uh, remodelers and some construction guys that probably wouldn't be too opposed <laughs> with that. But you know that goes back, of course, to property rights, and we have to allow people to 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 exercise their property rights. That's one of the fundamental tenets of our society and our legal system. True, and back
5: to policy, we also have to get new density limits, our maximums and minimums.
6: So that's interesting, too. And going back to what you said before the the break, we also have to understand that we don't have runaway growth here. We don't have runaway sprawl. Well, not yet, but we
3: keep letting guys like
6: you in here influencing people, and then that's what's going to happen. No, because all, all of our growth is dictated within the housing elements of general plans of each community. And interestingly enough too, when those housing plans are are put together and there's an allocation for a certain number of housing units to be permitted, the resources have to be spoken for as well. So the water has to be spoken for. Here's something that's interesting on the drought. Now, so let's let's get rid of that first assumption, because we know it doesn't work, let's just stop building. We know that that's that's not sure. a solution to the to the problem. Here's how building a new house actually helps us meet. Let's call that homestonance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so yeah, so so uh, just say no. Homestonence is not an option. <laughs> Builds uh, Just keep going, Jeff. He'll just make comments like that all the time. Here's the interesting thing. We have a mandate from the governor that starts in just a few days it starts in june first and That's goes right. through february of next year and we have to reduce our water consumption by twenty five percent so he put it out to the four hundred and something water agencies and districts that are under the state auspices that you need to reduce by twenty five percent and then they adjusted the numbers because it was it was uh, unfairly penalizing some of the really good water dis- districts that already had major conservation efforts in place and then there were some water abusers frankly so 25% is the benchmark, but then they took it down to, I believe, 5 at the low end and up to 35% at the high end. So they basically adjusted the 25% based on the individual districts. They measure that consumption on a per capita basis, meaning the amount of water units used for every 100 people. When we build a new home, which is already accounted for in the general plan, the water resource is all already allocated there as well, it actually brings down that per capita number because the new home is so much more efficient than the average of the existing homes that are in that water district. So, and it's really, it's sort of counterintuitive, but it's true. Every new home that is built in a water district reduces the per capita water usage and helps that district meet its goal by February. Yeah,
5: Yeah. the weighted average shifts, right? Because mm-hmm. yep. the population brings in a better household, yeah, more efficient household.
6: Yep. Huh. So I'm sold. So that combined with the economic benefits to a community, the cultural benefits to a community, and and again, if you you know, sometimes in my mind, I do like to take it to an extreme. You know, mind Body just expanded their campus over there. We decide we don't want to build another house in the county. <laughs> well, where are they where are these who's going to fill that extra space? You know, all of a sudden that, that company literally cannot grow here. And guess what they'll do? They'll they, move. They're going to move to someplace where they can grow. So, so really taking that extreme then to the next step, then what you start to see is sort of an implosion of your community. And you certainly, nobody wants to see that. So, so the important points here are that new homes are highly water efficient. The water resource is already allocated for in those growth plans and that there is no runaway growth at all. So we're on track. The home building industry is part of the solution with this. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm nailing the date down, but approximately two months from today, I think I'm gonna do it the last Wednesday in July is the date that I was looking at just this morning. The Home Builders Association is going to host a Central Coast Water Forum because all these agencies have not been able to, to interact or talk yet happens on a one-off, but we are actually going to host the Central Coast Water Forum and invite people from the various industries and, of course, the, the representatives from the different water districts and for people that own existing homes, how they can conserve as well. One of the big, well, we're talking about water conservation, one of the major users and wasters, and this is a bit of my personal opinion because this does come down to a cultural thing, is uh, is the irrigation of a home and the lawns. And so. Again, when we look at... Yeah, but um, Jeff, when we look that's at, part of my
3: American dream, buddy.
6: Well, but when we look at a moratorium versus a green lawn out in front of somebody's home, that's, again, where we need to make some of those tough choices on where we can easily conserve. So irrigation, we've got brand-new homes coming in off of Prado Road, Sarah Meadows, and they have changed in response to the drought. They are now installing artificial turf, They have uh, the uh, micro, the micro spray nozzles uh, and drip only, and they've gone. They went from moderate and um, drought tolerant planting to ultra drought tolerant. to the Xeroscape stuff. It's called cement. They 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 can (laughs) reduce. Well, you you can just make a rock. You have to be careful about the cement because if you're doing cement, you want the permeable stuff. But they have reduced, been able to reduce their their irrigation use by 50 to 70 percent in those new homes. So a person that is buying a new home today, again, is part of the solution. And I know this sounds kind of like spin, but one thing that you know you guys know about me, the listeners that have heard me for the last six or seven years know about me, is I am just a state college kid and I look at the facts. and, And these are the facts. When we measure, okay, sticking our head in the sand or not building versus what we can do to be smart about this thing and conserve new homes are one of the best ways to conserve out there particularly relative to some of the existing housing stock sure so anything else on the drought well i was gonna bring up i don't know if I, I
4: might have i interject here jason but you've been talking about the new homes jeff and you did kind of mention Changing older homes. I mean, obviously, you can't always just afford to go out and buy a new home. So, um, what are you guys att- attempting to do with this um, this upcoming uh, forum about retrofitting older homes and fixing bathrooms and bringing in contractors and remodeling the bathroom and the kitchen to where it does go to the low flow sinks and showers and toilets and things like that? Where are you guys going with that?
6: So a good question. Uh, So we're going to have some informational booths set up there so that existing homeowners from existing housing stock will be able to learn ways, if they haven't already, to learn ways, low-cost ways of saving a lot of money. Uh, There's also, and Mike brought this up during the break, there's also technology coming on board as well. Those homes off Sara Meadow have purple pipes coming up to the development. Purple pipes is for non-potable water that's used for irrigation in AKA common gray areas. Water. In in common areas, and then uh, a new technology that's coming on board too is the reuse of and separate plumbing. So this there's an expense with this one, but a whole separate plumbing system in your home for gray water, which means everything except your poo-poo and pee-pee stuff. You know, except the the uh, sewage, because the sewage stuff obviously has to get treated, but your gray water. You know, the water that you're using in a shower, the the stuff that gets a little soap in it, or, or just water that goes down the drain. That's the gray water, and there there are ways that that can be reused. Yeah, effectively. I I
3: lived in Los Osos, and then we had a house that had a real cool um, feature like that. Every time the uh, washing machine cycled, when it emptied, it flooded the backyard. And um, perfect. Yeah, it was just what you'd like to
6: have happen. So um, a- automatic <laughs> recharge of the aquifer out there. Yeah. And of course, you have to be careful with the soaps that you use with that as right. well. That's that, correct. That's the big thing.
4: I do have a question, actually, too, that might be slightly off topic. But um, as a developer, when you're putting in a brand-new neighborhood, um, I saw just this past week somebody hit a fire hydrant and water just going everywhere for an hour or more. Is there anything with, like, the new developments where you install things like fire hydrants and stuff where if something like that happens, it won't do that? It will shut off immediately before Beyond
6: the utility be Yeah, not, not that I'm aware of. And, and I will tell you that things like that, obviously that's a municipal requirement, and that's all built, of course, that the development pays for it. Actually, the homeowner winds up paying for it. Sure. Uh, but the developer pays for it and passes those costs along. But that's all, all built to... Uh, to the municipal standards, mm-hmm. so there's no real choice on the developer on that kind of thing. Okay. So we've had a lot of discussions here
5: about growing smart. I think also it's warranted for us to talk about affordable housing and how that blends into a society like ours, or a, you know, a community like ours. Without affordable housing, we can't we can't bring in the right type of people to service the rest of the community, such as you know nurses or um, you know individuals that. Work for the city, people teachers, that, teachers, people that social services that are offered to the community. They don't have always. They don't have the dual income that allows them to go out and buy the five hundred thousand dollar house. How do we blend that into our growth, Jeff? And you know what does the HBA do to work with the government to see that happen?
6: So one of the fundamental economic concepts that we have to understand is when we add to the housing supply it helps all levels of affordability even when you build a million dollar home because of the microeconomics it, exactly so so when you add a, it all comes down to supply and demand at the end of the day certainly so so the right now we don't have enough supply of housing for the demand now some will argue that there never will be Enough supply, and to a degree, they're correct. When we're when we're in a place like we are here, relative to you know the outskirts of well, Bakersfield, is where off the charts, yeah. So, so what has happened with some policy planning is, and in the housing industry, affordable housing is referred to very specifically for low income households, right. and it's based on what they call the AMI, the area's median income, which you guys are probably familiar with because I know it okay. relates to some of your mortgage stuff. That's correct. Yeah. And there are brackets, 60% of AMI or 80% of AMI that they use for uh, affordable housing, low-income housing and then very low. So there's a term that relates to that as well. So when we talk about affordable housing, we are normally talking about inclusionary housing. And, and where that word came from is we have to, as a developer, include some of this affordable housing in a project by mandate, Mm -hmm. by absolute mandate, and that mandate is in the general plan that's been adopted by that particular jurisdiction. Most of our jurisdictions, and I'm going to check this out actually now that I say it out loud, I I believe all of our jurisdictions have an inclusionary element in their general plan. Yeah, from what I recall, you have to in order to have a plan that's compliant every well it's, it's up to that particular jurisdiction so there are s- some jurisdictions in the state of California that don't have an inclusionary element but i believe within our county i believe every single one does this, so we've got seven municipalities and then of course the county so there are eight jurisdictions so to speak in our in our county so here's the thing though what what happens is mm. and you brought up policy before we can get unintended economic Consequences that occur. Mm. So when we tell a developer, and we'll go back to the hundred homes because it's such a round number, when we tell a developer that when you are building a hundred homes, fifteen percent of those, or fifteen, must be affordable housing units, and meet these standards, and then there's deed restrictions on those units and everything else, and and many of them will say, well, if you don't want to build those fifteen homes, that fifteen percent, sh- in lieu fee, you can pay an, an inclusionary in lieu fee. So let's say that that this this project, they pay the in-lieu fee instead of actually including those 15 homes out of the 100, making them uh, deed-restricted, affordable housing. So what does, and and let's say that inclusionary fee is about $30,000 per unit, all right? So when you take that $30,000 times those 15 15 units, the developer has to pay that. Mm. Where is he going to get the money? Well, he's going to charge
3: the other people more.
6: Bingo. So the other 85 homes in that development that are market rate homes, now the price on those go up to pay for that inclusionary element. So what you've created through this policy is an unintended consequence of a barbell effect. You're taking care of a very, very small portion of the affordable housing need by mandate, and then you are taking the market rate homes and making them more expensive and and this goes back to the beginning of our conversation part of the result of that policy the unintended consequence is now we have a lack of workforce housing in the middle the million dollar home buyer is taken care of yeah they finance a very, themselves a very small percentage of the affordable housing person is taken care of everybody else is basically out of luck so yeah, and and it's a, it's a touchy situation with inclusionary, because we all recognize the need for affordable housing in our community. Do we want to put it on the backs of market rate buyers and then eliminate some of our workforce housing in order to do that? So there's a big court case in San Jose that should be decided pretty soon. It's actually the CBI, California Building Industry Association versus city of San Jose. We're expecting something to come down within about two to three months, and that and it's at the California Supreme Court that case that's being argued basically is says that the, it is an illegal take by the government to mandate these inclusionary fees uh, the, the The builder has gone out and bought that property and it's zoned for for housing <laughs> and then they go to put the houses up, but the municipality comes back and says well no i 'm going to tell you exactly." What kind of property you can have for fifteen percent of your project, and how much you can or can't charge, so you can see that that flies it's at, at the face at some of our property rights laws and and really some of the fundamental tenets of how a, do you think of, it's going to society I have no idea I have no idea how do you want it to go well. I I I'm, I'm more That's of a, not a fair question. Well, no, I'm I'm, I not, that. no I, but I think but I think it deserves an answer uh, beyond just the fact obviously that I represent home builders and they would like to see it eliminated. I I am being an investment manager for 25 years. I'm a proponent of Free the, of the marketplace. Yeah. And and it, you know one of the immediate one of the immediate things that would occur would be there would be more workforce housing available the market rate price of 85% of the new developments would come down from the elimination of that. Then what we would have to do then would be as a society, To raise as a minimum culture, wage. Well, so, so we'd have to, as a culture, we'd have to find a way then to look for ways to increase the affordable element at the very low end.
5: General obligation bonds, you know, maybe let some of it come from a general fund, spread it across the whole economic community. And let everyone realize that if the middle class has more opportunity here, we can all win.
6: And that's and that's that's
5: not a very that's a, And I'm not saying this as a you know pro Democrat. I'm just saying that's one very academic way to let every person in that county, if you will, be part of the cost.
6: I, I think that that illustrates so well, Mike, the the philosophical debate and argument because some people will say, well. Well, why should we, as a society, be paying for for those or helping the low end? Well, but then that also begs the question: Why should the eighty five percent of a new development be paying for it? Because they are the homeowners. So you're Do taking you a, a ever... narrower segment. And 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 let me throw something out quickly too. You know, the notion of these greedy developers. Well, it's not it's not the market rate buyers that are going to pay for it. It's these greedy developers that make too much money anyway. You know. I've worked with these companies. Uh, I've gotten to know these companies intimately. A lot of these guys are graduates at Cal Poly. They care deeply about our community. They're residents here of the Central Coast. Sure. They don't want to spoil their their golden goose. I mean, even if you look at it from a monetary or greed aspect, they don't want to spoil their golden goose. They care about their community and where they live and are very involved with the responsible growth process. Well, not to mention,
3: when you call them these guys or something, it's almost an us against them. The reality of it, these are dudes that are just putting some boots on and going to work tomorrow. Most of the people that are tradesmen are doing what they do because they, they work... Um, to work, nobody's trying to architect chasing out poor people or penalizing rich people or whatever. I mean, as you guys were having this conversation, I'm sitting here starting to feel frustrated. <laughs> I start getting frustrated. It's
6: holiday weekend. We don't. Want I was reading frustrated. this article
3: the other day about Social Security, and you know, Social Security is going to go bankrupt sooner than any of us. Seventeen point five years or something. Yeah, and then I'm like. I read this article and said, "Well, just remove the cap, then that solves the whole problem. All the, you know, the people that are making more. I think this year it's like 114 grand or something. You you pay Social Security up to 114 grand. Past that, you don't pay in anymore. So just remove the cap. Problem solved. Let all those people pay more. Um, fine." You know, in the end, that guy doesn't, that guy that's over contributing, then the reason there's a cap is that he doesn't ever get to get back more when he retires. There's a cap on what he's going to be able to get. So then it becomes a little bit uh, disparate then about what this guy's paying on behalf of that guy. And, you know, so then I, so that's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about the, the healthcare, um, you get credits if you don't make enough money and so then there's these people that don't pay for it. I'll actually know a guy that um wound down his business just to get free healthcare. Um That's not smart. Oh, it's brilliant.
5: No, he's <laughs> well he's still got a ten ninety five that he has to look at, you know, and associate how much he actually made
3: point is is that at some point i just get frustrated that it transcends industry industry lines all of these issues (laughs) everything comes back down to well let's be fair everybody deserves this thing Um, but the trouble is we always end up at the same spot of like i agree Everybody in this, everybody that comes to work in San Luis Obispo County deserves to have a house here. You do. You work right. hard. You're in a community. You're raising your family here. You deserve to be able to afford a house here. Well, and who's going to pay for and it? And
6: that does go back. You you brought up American Dream earlier, and that does go back to really the foundation <laughs> of the American Dream. If you if you play by the rules and work hard, you really deserve that opportunity. The way generations before us have had. And and that is the one part of the argument I would say where I do get frustrated at a personal level when I hear people say, no, it's time to pull up the plank. We don't no more people here. Because because they at some point were given that opportunity yeah, to, to, to that. And how much of this too, dream. Jeff, and this course, is and why maybe they're a vocal minority. This is
3: why I'm glad you're a part of it. But let, let me just say this. How much of that NIMBYism or whatever, like me, I'm I'm ready to go now. Um, I'm over it. I'm tired of talking about um, all these things where it just it's divisive and who's going to pay for it who's it exacting is it the rich guy is it the poor guy is it fair it's you know he deserves a cell phone and all these things where then it's like alright let's just be done talking about it because no we can't come to a solution or a resolution all oh, now we're just getting mad so and it, and it is it's that way with like all of these things and and I'm just kidding. I'm not ready to walk out or anything. But to make my point, it's, it's like at some point, then, you know, where are we going? And this is what right. gets frustrating for me. It's all of these things from Social Security to right. building to water. You know, Nestle's filling up trucks and selling water um so, so internationally I, I, out of any- California. There's all these things going on that then in the end it's just like, man, I just want to walk away from the conversation because it, I don't know how to fix any of that. So
6: I have an easy answer for you. Okay. We do what we can. We do what we can. And you can't, you can't throw your arms up yeah. and give up. So that's what, that's what we do as an association. That's why we're talking to our policymakers. That's why we're talking to our industry proponents because it does matter. At the end of the day, we can feel sometimes uh, unempowered, we can, we can feel impotent to do anything about it, but that doesn't mean that we can or should give up because it does matter. There is still the person that couldn't move here and, and didn't bring their gifts to our community because of a lack of affordability. Sure. There, there is the company that may be leaving the county six months from now because of a lack of affordability. So those things, there is the, the school teacher that's having to commute 25 miles each day and not spend that time doing lesson plans, or spending that time with their own family. So it does matter, and we keep doing what we can. Why don't we throw the number out and see, because uh, I know I don't have too much more time with you, to see if, if anybody wants to talk to the home builder guy. People can uh, take a few pop shots at me or, uh, or, or call up, and we <laughs> yeah, can, di- we can discuss plans. He's warmed that. up. 543-8830, <laughs> uh,
3: so. if you have a question or a comment you want to weigh in here, give us a call, 543-8830. Three, eight, eight, three, Jeff, you know me well enough to know that I say that more or less, just kind of. Um, first of all, the softball—it's just lobbed for you here. Um, you really are doing something about it, though. And and granted, it's a it's a job for you. You're not donating your your time here, but this is something where getting some folks together to organize and try to try to affect a change. I, I love that answer, by the way. You do what you can, um, and I'm. I'm always happy to, to figure out how to be part of the solution to something. Um, but yeah, you know, honestly, it's frustrating to me. I always, I find that um, we get caught up in the, you know, basically it comes down to the the money. Who's going to pay for it? and. You know, because we could all agree about that. That's the same thing about the healthcare yeah. thing. Everybody deserves healthcare. And if you want to look at me and tell me that you show me the people, in fact, I'd prefer if you introduced them to me, the people right. that don't deserve healthcare uh, because of their pre existing condition or something. i That's crazy to me. Um, everybody deserves that. And then the fight then comes over who pays for it, right? Yep. And, you know, what a. Such such divisive um, things there. Let's go ahead and take a phone call. Um, I want to start here with uh, Bob calling from Santa Maria. So, Bob, good morning. Welcome to Mortgage Matters.
1: Yeah, good morning. How are you this morning? Doing fine. How much hey, so? Bob. Good, good, good. Yeah, the reason I'm calling, I'm listening to your conversation, and it's it's very interesting, and, and I'm enjoying it. Um, I, I happen to be in real estate. I, I'm a realtor. And um, here in Santa Maria. And, uh, you know, I guess what I'm calling about is to say that, you know, I'm really tired of feeling guilty. You know, I'm really tired of being guilty. Um, You know, I agree it would be nice, for example, that teachers can live in the community, and it should be that way. Um, I suspect there aren't too many teachers that live in Santa Barbara. They're probably commuting from Santa Maria, along Polk, a lot of places. But, you know, that that's life. I mean, we've we got to get over it. You know, I'm, when I grew up, as I was growing up, my family was poor, okay? My family was poor, and I'm proud of that. My parents were immigrants from Italy, and I'm proud of that. And... We did what we could. We couldn't live in the best towns. We couldn't live in the best houses. Um, my dad had to commute long distances, carrying his tools on the streetcar. I'm afraid the society today has gotten a little soft. They don't know what it is that life is hard, and life is hard. And, and we have to come back to understanding that. We, we sort of enable people by telling them it's unfair that you can't live in the community. And in a way, it is. I, I understand that. Still, but, though, the the point I think is, is that we can't fix everything.
3: Yeah, I, you're, I, Bob, I share a lot of that sentiment with you. But I want to go back to what Jeff just said. We do what we can. You know, we exactly. got we got some intelligent exactly. people together. Um, you know, it's Jeff's the executive director here for this tradesman organization, where they're. They could not be doing anything at all, but instead what they're doing is they're trying to organize themselves and their resources to try and figure out how to solve some of those problems. I mean I yeah Your your point's no waste on me. I get it. I feel that way um, oftentimes yeah. too. But then at the same time, um, you know, I they're <sighs> there has to be um, some opportunity for some people. And, you know, and the reality of it is, and teachers are the, the, the low-hanging fruit to come back to all the time. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. You know, yeah, you know and there's,
1: I, there's I, been a big move in Santa Maria, and we have a lot of it, low-income housing, because sure. we have a lot of farm workers. And the city's made a lot of strides in those areas and created created these, pro- these projects, and I think that's fine. But I'm not sure it's really fair to tell people what they must do with their land. I, I don't think that's American and I, I think that's that's wrong. I mean making them put a few units maybe in low income, sure, we're making an effort. I, I agree with that. I
5: think the area we're trying to shine light on, Bob, and I, I totally relate right. to you. My father migrated here from Canada and we don't own a maple syrup farm up there. So <laughs> I have I have built myself up my wife and I own a house in San Luis Obispo that is right. a nice house. But we're looking, right. Jeff, Jeff painted a great illustration. We're looking at the barbell and saying, what about that middle part? What if we could just make that middle middle America, middle-income person get a house, get an opportunity? Would that provide more opportunities for you, Bob, in your environment? Oh, oh of course, of course. I mean, Although, that could be a, and,
1: I, and I'm all in favor of that. I believe in home ownership is the best thing for neighborhood. It's the best thing for family. It creates stability. It has a lot of positive things. The question just comes down to how much should the taxpayer be put on the hook to subsidize people. And, and you know, when I was growing up, my parents were first here. There were no subsidies, and yet they found a way. And and uh, finally my parents ended up living in a reasonable neighborhood and in a reasonable house. But it was because of their hard work that they got there. And I, I think we need to encourage more people to to strive and to improve themselves and get ahead on their own. So
6: Bob, that's so, a balance. So I agree, I agree with the, your comments, Bob. Thank you for those. And I think it's not just the fact of putting this on the back of the taxpayer. It's the fact right. that policymakers shouldn't just arbitrarily encumber developers in pursuit of executing their policy. So, oh, so I, we agree. Need to look at I agree. I agree totally. Yeah. Agreed, totally. Right. Bob, thanks Thank
3: for you. your call. I really appreciate you listening and participating.
1: And I, I appreciate your show. I listen to it every every week, so thank uh, you so much.
3: Awesome. Thanks, Bob. Uh, we we have another caller on the line. Uh, we have Marilyn calling from Good Morning, Marilyn. Welcome to the show.
7: Good morning. Welcome to your regular Saturday show, which I always enjoy. Um, yesterday on the radio, I heard um, – I don't know if it was Dave Congleton, but anyway, it was um restaurant owner in Lompoc who had bought an air compressor to blow off all the food on the plates before washing to oh. cut down the water. I thought that was real interesting. Yeah, that's smart. I didn't hear all your your water issues I had uh, something else I was involved in. But um, also, I wondered how you feel about this protest petition within San Luis protesting the water sewer increases. And you can file this protest with the city clerk, only one per property owner. And I wondered if you had feelings about that or even know about it.
6: So I, as, as a home building association, we don't really have a position on that. I know that if 51% of the water customers protest a rate increase, then the water district has to go back to the drawing board on that. Uh, and, and, the, and the water boards also have to, the agencies have to show a nexus or a connection between their rate increase and the actual increase in the fees. So they just can't arbitrarily go out and increase those fees. And that's part of what that, um, there was a, a, a law passed a few years ago, uh, I forget which 218, I want to say Prop 218, but that that allows the electorate this opportunity to object to the rate increase. But uh, And I know, I know that's going on out in Morro Bay right now as well. I'm a resident of Morro Bay. I've received several emails, same things going on. And I'll, I'll tell you, just about all the water agencies, this is going to happen. The, the tough part with the water agencies is Their income is derived largely on how much water they sell. So they sell you more water, they make more money, and they cover their fixed costs. When you use less water, which we're required to do right now, they make less money, but their fixed costs remain the same. (laughs) So they're having to increase rates to account for or make up for the conservation efforts. It's really a sad state of affairs, but that's the economic reality of it. Yeah.
7: Okay. So how do you personally feel about it for Morro Bay?
6: I, I really haven't studied the, the issue yet out there in more. I know the council's meeting on Tuesday, so I was going to spend some time this weekend. I, you know, what, the emails that I've received out there just talks about the fact that they may be padding the, the increase somehow and that it gives them too much ability to raise rates in the future. So you know, I, I think it has to be balanced between the fact that none of us want to pay more Uh, But on the other hand, if we're conserving and using less water, we still need to provide for the infrastructure to get that water to us.
7: Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thanks
3: for calling, Marilyn. All right, we're going to do the final commercial break of the show. We're going to let Jeff stick around so we can finish up the final thoughts here with him. So let's do the final commercial break here. Take some time out to thank the sponsors. We'll be back in a minute with more Mortgage Matters.
0: To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors.
3: Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you buy your next home. We promise to close on time, on budget, with no surprises. Give Central Coast Lending a call today.
4: When you buy
7: or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. What a state of generosity, look what my agent got for me, just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred
6: unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more, but now I've got to figure out what I should
7: use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm.
0: Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason.
3: All right, everybody. Welcome back to Mortgage Matters. We got eleven minutes to go. We got Jeff Eccles on the show. Um,
6: it's been fun. It's been Jeff. a great guest. A great guest. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's been fun coming back in. Yeah. Um, oh, can I can I clarify something? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So you talked about uh, some of the contractors as well. So I just did want to point out that there are two trade organizations in town. Oh there's the home... Oh I saw you
3: smirk at me when I called the, you a trade organization. There's,
6: no well there's the there's the Home Builders Association okay. of the Central Coast and we represent developers, home builders and then associated industries, even industries like you. Sure. So do you not uh, feel like
3: a trade organization?
6: And, and that's in Santa Barbara County and San Luis Obispo County. Now in town also we have the what's called the Builders Exchange. Mm-hmm. And in Santa Barbara, there's the Santa Maria Valley Contractors Association. So most of the most of the trades that we call them, the roofers, the you know, the, the drywallers, those fellows, will mostly and gals, I keep saying fellows, I don't mean it. it those people um, belong. Uh, to the contractors association okay. or, the, or the builders exchange as, as it's called here. So we have more of the actual developers and then the home builders. So it's a, it's a it's a different focus. We're all in it together, but they are two separate organizations and many of our aims are exactly the same as well. Well, I didn't mean to lump you in with the common folk. Oh man. no, no, <laughs> that's what I just said. We're all in it together, and uh, and no, and it's not one above the other. But I just wanted just to, kidding. I just wanted to give you that distinction because sometimes I will get people that call me asking about a contracting situation, and then right. sometimes somebody will call the Builders Exchange asking about you know the development over off of. Uh, yeah. Uh, Prado, and then I'll throw out my website out uh, as well. So if you if you do want to learn a little bit more, we just got a new website and we're kind of completing some of the content. So it's a little bit content light right now, but it looks looks really pretty. <laughs> reminds me of well, let's to say it reminds me of some of the folks I dated back in college. Um, looks <laughs> good, but not so much on the inside right now. Uh, our website <laughs> is just H- keep going. Yeah, yeah. I'll <laughs> take the other foot out of my mouth now. Is hbacc.org org. So you can go to hba cc that's hb as in boy hbacc.org and find out a little bit more about us and if you want to get on our mailing list uh, there's a big button there that says add me to your mailing list and you can do that and that'll be a good way for you to keep informed about what's going on in the home building industry and we'll be posting our water forum on there which is going to be approximately two months from today
3: i'm curious too if you guys have a need um any needs that somebody that Feels compelled and might come forward and help. I was it's just going to
5: ask that question, yeah, Jay. To be a,
3: a member or to be on
6: the board or to be a donor? Yeah. To, yeah
3: help the, the tri tip at your next meeting?
6: Yeah, that's actually a, a, a great question. We are a membership based organization. We always appreciate new members to the organization that believe that uh, we need a healthy home building industry here on, on mm-hmm. the Central Coast. So if anyone's interested in joining the, the association, we welcome that. And, of course, then, just like any association, we have committees. One of our most active and probably most important is our government Governmental Affairs Committee, or GAC, as we call it. And <laughs> if, if, if you find this stuff interesting and would like to advocate on behalf of the industry, then, then this is by far the place to do it. And we do a lot of interaction with other organizations in town. I sit on the... Uh, Building design and construction cluster for the EVC. Mm-hmm. I just got appointed to the board of directors for the housing trust fund, which, uh, which actually focuses on affordable housing. Um, there's a couple other boards that I'm on that I that don't come to mind right well, now. Well,
5: community foundation. Are you working with them?
6: Uh, no. which one was it? The Slow Community Foundation. No, I am president of the Morro Bay Community Foundation. Okay. But that's, that's a, a, w- a charitable organization. I want And you. then we, we do a lot of work with the San Luis Obispo Chamber of Commerce. They just, the chamber just formed their housing task force. So I was appointed to that. So it's a way, what I'm saying is it's a way that the HBA, the Home Builders Association, is a central point and a way to stretch out to other organizations in the community as well. So if you want to get involved, I would welcome your call or your email. Join the mailing list.
3: Yes, I just
6: I got an appointment this last week.
3: I didn't even tell anybody about it yet. But, um, through the slow chamber for the um, oh. economic development committee.
6: Hey, put her there. Let's shake hands. We're, we're fellow committee members. Are you on it too? I'm on the economic development committee and the housing task force. Nice. Yeah. And
5: just so I can feel included, I am probably our. I would say our most active representative for Central Coast lending at the Home Builders Association. And I can tell you it's a great place to just be part of the community where people are making decisions and making things happen. Architects, engineers, builders. It's a great place to rub elbows and be part of the conversation, not, you know, read it in the news.
3: Yeah, when I came to your guys' mixer, um, the one that I have been to, um, one of my feelings about it was in terms of, you know, you kind of get policies, right? And a lot of it comes from the housing um, plan and stuff, but the the policy makers and all that kind of thing, you're gonna get those regardless. So if you're gonna if you want if you're gonna be affected by that or you want to influence it, you gotta right. hop in and go organize and do something to to go have an impact. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just gonna get what you get. That's very And that's why I tell my kids is. Get what you get, and you don't throw a fit. That's right. If you if you want to affect what you get, then you better be a part of making that dinner. Yep, absolutely. (laughs) You know, don't sit down to the table and then complain about what you were served.
6: So we meet with both the policymakers and what I call the practice providers. So there's policy and practice. So the policymakers are, of course, our elected individuals, and then uh, the practice providers are people like well, you know, our, our county. Uh, Building and and, uh, planning department. We meet with uh, with the director and the two new deputies, and and so we there's there's an interchange there that should be happening and is happening, and it's it's very valuable. Something else I'll throw out to the listeners is we have our breakfast. We call it a builder breakfast, but it's open to everybody. It's open to the public once a month. It's the second Tuesday. I'm going to actually be changing that in. August, I believe it is, to the second Wednesday, because Tuesday's the same day as the supervisor's meetings and a lot of and the council the association meetings, Realtors and the Realtors and, Association, yeah. so I'm going to change the date because there's just too many conflicts with it, but it's a monthly meeting. We get in two speakers and then usually one builder update, and it's a great, great breakfast. We get anywhere between 55 and 75 people there now every morning. It's a little packed with 75, and it's over at Canon Corporation in in San Luis Obispo. So go to on the website. June, it'll and,
5: be June 9th. In June will be June 9th.
6: So June will be the next Builder Breakfast. Go on the website and you can see upcoming events and if you want to register for that you can. Next Thursday we're having a, our fundraiser, our annual fundraiser. If you want to come out to Edwards Barn and Napomo, you can click on that and register for that. $75 a ticket. It's a little, little rich because it's a fundraiser so you're helping out the cause by doing that but we'd welcome your attendances at that as well. Bring your checkbook. Yeah, but that that monthly and you brought it up, Michael. The, the monthly Builder Breakfast is a great way just to come check things out, yep. uh, hear some wonderful speakers, do some great networking if you're so inclined. Because there's a lot of movers and shakers from bonafide, the building industry, bonafide there. individuals
5: in that room.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's for breakfast,
5: though? Did
6: he say bonafide? yeah.
5: Is that good or?
3: He's a suitor. Okay. <laughs> what's uh, what's for breakfast at the at the
6: Builder Breakfast? Really good uh, bacon. Oh. I focus on the bacon and sausage and the bacon, <laughs> that, the, the, bacon the bacon, the bacon that this caterer brings, it's that honey. Oh, it's like the that. apple, applewood thick sliced honey cured bacon. Oh my gosh. Just it's catnip it for
5: dudes. Yeah. That's I mean, usually, you're what, on that,
6: and, so. and usually that's literally what I, what I have for breakfast there because I don't, I'm, I'm talking the and then I'll get done with my part and then I go to the back and get a plate of one or two sausage and fresh coffee. Yes. So oh, c- yeah. coffee and bacon. Yeah. The coffee's good. The coffee's hot. It's fresh. The bacon is really good so we're gonna have show you up.
3: back on the show at we some point to. just to we talk to. about um one of the issues i have with the uh all the new construction uh developments around the county is they always have some preferred lender um that um, i i
6: could just tear them apart so i, I don't know how Speaking you might
3: breakfast. be able to affect that but i'd like to you i'd mean, like, like
6: physically... to physically we're going to put you guys in a ring or be in the red corner? <laughs> <laughs> no,
3: just it's a uh, – I'm actually – you were talking about some lawsuit you have, are expecting might change some things. I'm expecting similar thing out of the preferred lender for some of the housing really? track type of do things. Do you guys do any of that? Do you we, serve we as We a would preferred? love to, but I didn't, I didn't go to high school here, so I'm struggling on that end. Uh, I say that a little tongue-in-cheek, but um, Jeff, I I do want to thank you very much for coming in today. Um, It has been informative, and I appreciate your uh, expertise and your care, and um, I'm glad that you are uh, in the position you're in, helping um, bring a voice to uh, such an important topic.
6: Well, thank you, and I've really enjoyed being in this position and and uh and doing what i do it it really is as i'd hoped at the beginning a perfect fit so i do a lot of advocacy work on behalf of the industry and then of course run the association so i'm having a lot of fun there's a lot of work to be done but i'm having a lot of funds so that's the best of both worlds
3: and for everybody else, you may not know it based on just today's conversation, but um, we are representing Central Coast Lending. That's a mortgage company here on the Central Coast, and we are uh, hoping to hear from you. If you have home loan needs or trying to get on the path to figure out how to buy one of these new homes, um, give us a call. Let us help you. 543-LOAN is the number, which is five four three five six two six. 5626 Or find us on the web. We're centralcoastlending.com. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll be back next week with another live episode. Guys, have a great holiday weekend.